We're going to be appointing two positions. <clears throat> um, Bill Sutton, uh, Steve Pope, and uh, Aaron Schroeder. And so uh, just make note of that, that that'll be taking place next week. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's wonderful. He's so wonderful. We can trust him in every situation in life. I want to talk with you today about empowered living, living anointed, living empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, there's certain things we think that people are just going to get a hold of because they're in an environment. How many of you know as, as parents, we have to train our children in the way that they're to go on purpose. Thank you for that rousing amen. You know, maybe none of you agree with me. On, but, <clears throat> but it has to be purposeful. The, the truths, the principles that we impart into our children, we have to do it on purpose. It doesn't just happen because they're in our household. We have to, we have to do it on purpose. And, and within the church, there's truths, there are principles. And uh, we have to impart and we have to receive those truths and principles on purpose. And I think in, in the day that we live in, it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, the, the, this world that we live in. And we, we, de, we depend on, even within the church, we depend upon our own knowledge rather than dependent upon the working of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about living the empowered life, but we do that through the anointing and through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus was the Son of God, born the Son of God. But you know what's, Jesus never really had any demonstration. His ministry never really came forth until he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so let's, let's start this morning by looking at Matthew, the third chapter in the 16th and the 17th verse. And it says, when he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, at this moment, this wasn't the moment that Jesus became God's beloved son. He was already God's beloved son. But you know, in the life and the ministry of Jesus, we saw nothing of healings, of deliverance. We didn't see him feeding the thousands. We didn't see any of that until Jesus was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he was baptized in water, but 
he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know that water baptism is just the outward expression of that which has already taken place inwardly. So he is already the Son of God. The water baptism was just an outward expression of that. But he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he was empowered. And, and from that moment on, we see Jesus anointed by the Holy Spirit. We, we see him going out in, in power and we see him healing the sick. We see deliverance, people being set free from demonic powers. We see miraculous works coming through him because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost working in conjunction with one another. You know, I was going to mention this, but I, I, I forgot to. Um, some of you will remember them. Uh, Mary and Jimmy Rushton. On Sunday evening, Mary uh, went home to be with the Lord. And uh, so it was pretty much a shock to us. I was down in Tulsa at the time. But anyway, Jimmy was the first one that ever heard use this terminology in, in reference to the Holy Spirit. I, I know others have probably said it, but that was the first man that I ever heard use this terminology. And he said, we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to be working in our lives. We need to be in a place where we're cooperating with him. You know, it's an interesting thing about the disciples. The disciples, they hung out with Jesus for some three and a half years. They saw Jesus perform miracles. They saw Jesus cast out devils. They saw Jesus feed the hungry. They saw, saw miracles, tremendous miracles. And so they traveled with him for, for three and a half years, saw everything that he did. But you know, <clears throat> when push came to shove, there were a bunch of wimps. When Jesus was before the, uh, the courts, what happened? We know that Peter denied him three different times. You know, we always talk about Peter, but, but you know what? It was a whole crowd of them that took off. None of them hung out. They, 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 they're a bunch of wimps. And then in John, we see how Jesus showed up in the room and he breathed upon them and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And, and you know, it, we're drawn by the Holy Spirit. That's how we're we're born again, but there's one thing to have a relationship, but it's another thing uh, to be empowered. And so here we have the disciples, they've, they've, they've been born again, they've experienced Jesus, and it had to be exciting for them. But what did Jesus tell them at this point? He said, wait in Jerusalem. Let's look at this in, you know, in in, in Acts 1, he tells them to, you know, wait in Jerusalem, wait in the upper room until you've seen, received power from on high. And, and he says, then you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world. But then we look at Acts, the second chapter. And in the first and the second verse, 
It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, you know what they were waiting for? Was they were waiting for the day of Pentecost. They were waiting for the, the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon the earth. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then it goes on, it talks about how they, they spoke in tongues and tongues of fire rested upon them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and power. You know, this week I was down in Tulsa for Winter Bible Seminar and one of the evenings, Pastor Hagen got up and he was sharing and he was talking about how he goes to so many of even the Rhema churches today and they don't even want to acknowledge the power and the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives today. We see churches that are Pentecostal churches in names and in titles, but they, they don't even want to acknowledge the power and the working of the Holy Spirit in their midst because something might happen and we might be embarrassed. I tell you, we've, we, we, we've receded to the depths when we're ashamed of the Holy Spirit, when we're ashamed of the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've thought about this and, you know, where Pastor Becky and I are, are today is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Yes, it was experiencing the born again experience and getting into the Word of God, but it was the Holy Spirit, not just simply in us, but the Holy Spirit working in and through us that brought us to the place where we were able to implement and put into practices the truths and the principles that we have in the Word of God. And it grieves my heart, and it really grieves my heart to think that possibly we here at Abundant Life Ministries, that we haven't been faithful to present the Spirit-filled life to those that are coming to this church because we need to realize that we can't make it in our own strength. We can't make it in our own wisdom. We can't make it in our own ability. It's a requirement for us to succeed in life for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be in operation in our life. And no, it may not be that on Sunday morning we're running around the building and we're screaming at the top of our lungs. It may not be that we feel that umption or whatever at every moment, but we've gotta know where our strength and where our power comes from. It comes from the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be a wimpy disciple. I want to be a disciple that's filled with power and strength and courage and boldness. I mean, it's so interesting when we look at this and we, we see these, these individuals that were fearful. They were, they were full of fear and they were a bunch of wimps. And, and that day they received the power of the Holy Spirit and Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, gets up in front of the crowd and he preaches and 3,000 are filled that day, are born again into the kingdom of God. You know, just a few days after this, did I ever finish reading that? I think I did. Well, let's read verse four because I didn't read that. <clears throat> 
We're in Acts 2. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'll tell you something. I'm a tongue talker. But there's more to utterance than praying in tongues. He wants to give us the words to speak in every circumstance, in every situation that we're in. And that comes through the power, through the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, if we go over to Acts, the fourth chapter, we have, well, actually it begins in the third chapter, and we have Peter and John, and they're going into the temple beautiful, and they see this, this lame man there, and, and he's begging. And, and Peter says to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy rises up and he walks and he sets the whole religious world on edge because they'd never seen anything like this before. That wasn't the way that their traditions were operating. And so Peter and John, they're, they're thrown into prison. You know, probably one of the greatest revelations that I have had after I was born again, and especially after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the great revelation that I have was people weren't happy for me. If it would have been legal, they probably would have thrown me in jail. And, and what's ironic about it, it's the individuals that I really thought would be thrilled about it. I remember sharing it with my pastor and he wasn't very happy. <laughs> remember sharing it with the people in my church and they weren't, weren't very happy because we don't do that here. Well, my question is, why not? And when the Bible talks about it as much as the Bible does, why not? It's like I've had people come up to me and they say, you know, in our church, people don't pray in tongues. I said, why is that? Do you ever teach on it? Well, well, no, we don't believe it. We'll never see people healed in our church. Why are people healed in our church? Well, do you preach on it? Well, no, we don't believe in it. You can't, you, faith comes by hearing. And again, my, my greatest Concern, my greatest fear is not that I preached on the Holy Ghost too much, but that I didn't preach on it enough. Because we need to realize we're dependent. We may be able to be independent from one another, but we're dependent upon the Holy Ghost. We're dependent upon the Word of God. We're dependent upon the name of Jesus. We're dependent. We need those things in our life if we're going to achieve and overcome. But let's look in, in Acts the fourth chapter in the fifth verse and it says, and it came to pass on the next day that when the rulers and the elders and the scribes as well as, as uh, Anas, the high priest, Carpius, John, and, and Alexander, and as many as were of the uh, family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in, <clears throat> in their midst, they said, by what power or by what name 
do you do this? So here we have a list of all the religious folk. And they say, by, by what name, by what power do you do this? Now, when we're asked that question, what, what kind of philosophy do we come up with? What kind of excuse or whatever do we come notice, notice what they say here. Verse 7, or excuse me, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, tongues and utterance, the Holy Ghost gave him the words to speak. You ever been in that place where you just don't know what to say? Well, let me tell you something. There's one that's available to give us the words to speak when we don't know what to speak or how to speak. And it's the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to us and through us if we, but give him the opportunity to do so. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the peoples and elders of Israel, <clears throat> if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. By who? By Jesus. This is a stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is the salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. There's no other name that we can depend upon. You know, the latest is it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. Or you know what, we all serve the same God. It doesn't matter what religion we are. We all serve the same God. No, there's only one name by which man will be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. Any other name is of the Antichrist. There's but one name, his name is Jesus. And Jesus will always point us to, fa to the Father. And when we're pointing to the Father, what's gonna dominate our life is gonna be such a love for others. You know, how do we get to the place where we're, we're willing to sacrifice for the sake of others, that others might be able to hear, that others might be able to experience the love of God in their life? It's through the name, the one name, Jesus, through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of times we speak out that name, but there's no thrust behind it. There's no power behind it because we've heard it. It's like hearing David. There's no power in that name. Hopefully there's power in the one that has that name. But that's because of the Holy Ghost. But when we speak the name of Jesus and we recognize what Jesus has done, and we realize the authority that we have through the Holy Spirit in that name. All at once, everything around us 
it begins to change. We begin to walk differently. We begin to demonstrate what he's truly done in each of our lives. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. You know, sometimes we, we rely on the opposite. We rely upon our education, upon our training. But you know, it doesn't matter what our education is. It doesn't matter what our training is. You know, I remember when I felt, as a pastor, I felt inadequate. I felt untrained. I felt uneducated. I'd go to the ministerial meetings and I'd be so intimidated because they had more letters behind their names than I had in my name. And, um, and so I remember I, I, I began to take courses online. And so I took counseling. I took the psychology of counseling. I took psychology, you know, so I could be educated. I got my bachelor's and I got my master's and even got my doctorate. And after I got all of that, I came to this conclusion. My education and my training did absolutely nothing for anybody. What helped people was the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and a revelation of the Word of God. And then I began to look at people in the organization differently. And I realized, even though now I have all the titles, the only thing that separated me from them was I had the name of Jesus. I had the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so it wasn't because of my education that somebody's going to be set free. It's going to be because, be because of the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. If I get up here on a Sunday morning and I'm able to impart something into your life that's going to change your life and give you hope for a future, it isn't going to be my education. It's going to be the Word of God. It's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be what the name of Jesus can work and produce in each of our lives. And you know what? That same thing is true for each and every one of us. What gives us power? What gives us anointing? What gives us the ability? Peter and John had boldness. They perceived that they were uneducated and that they were untrained. They marveled. Everybody look at me. I'm a marvel. I'm a marvel. Not because of my education. I'm uneducated. 
That's how I see myself. Not because of my training. I'm untrained, but I'm a marvel. So I want everyone, well, you can even do it on your way out because we got mirrors and stuff. But when you get home, for sure, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to just look at yourself. You're a marvel. Because you are, because it isn't because of your education. Hopefully you're educated. It isn't because of your training. Hopefully you're trained. I'm not making light of education and training. They're, they're important. But they're no substitute for the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life to equip you. Let me tell you something. I was a plumber for 12 years. I was a better plumber after I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. My boss told me this. He says, I don't, I won't use the words that he used, <clears throat> but I don't send you to the rotten jobs. Just let your imagination go and you probably hit it. Jobs, because I don't like you. I send you there because I know that you'll get it done. Listen, I wasn't that brilliant as a plumber, but I had the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. And I don't care what your vocation is. You'll be more effective. You'll advance. Why? Because you have favor. Because the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. And that which you don't know what to do, he'll show you. That's the God we served. And serve. And he saw there the, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. You know, over the years I've had an opportunity to witness to a lot of people. But the easiest people to witness to are the ones that come to me and they say, I don't know what it is that you have, but I need it. And then you tell them it's Jesus. And you know, at that point, they never, they, they've never said to me, oh, I don't want to hear that. It's always, tell me more. You know, there's people that are looking upon you and and you're walking in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and it isn't because you're, you're walking around the streets praying in tongues. It's because in the quietness of your own home you prayed in tongues. And as it says in Jude 20, you were built up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so you were built up and you go to your job or you're, you're out in the community and people... They may not say anything immediately, but they look at you and they see something different. You know why? Because you're peculiar. The Bible says that we are a peculiar people. Why? Because we're different. And it isn't because we have a stronger willpower than everybody else. It's because the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of us. And because he's working in us, he's changing our wants, he's changing our desires. 
And we live for him, not because we have to, but just seems like the natural thing to do. Serve him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength because of who he is. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. You know, you can tell me that you don't believe in the power of God and what he can do in your life. But none of your words will convince me because I know what he's done in my life. But for Jesus and but for the power of the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't be standing here this morning. But for Jesus and the power and the Holy Ghost, that woman back there probably wouldn't be with me this morning. But for Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, I don't know where my son would be today. You, you cannot in any way, shape, or form convince me that this isn't real. You can come up with all of your document, uh, document, not document, doctrine, arguments you want, but none of them will convince me because firsthand I've experienced the anointing, the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. And I want each and every one of us in this church to know and experience not just a little bit. I want you to experience the fullness of what Jesus wants to do in your life. Jesus' last words in Acts 1-4 it says, and being assembled together with them he commanded them He didn't say, you know what, I think it would be a good idea if you just wait here till the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you know, it would be a blessing to you. No, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said, you stay until you, are, you receive power, the anointing from on high. You know, the, the language there tells us that this is really important. Well, you know, you know, I, <clears throat> my pastor, when I lived in Ankeny, he was a wonderful man. Loved Jesus. Good teacher. But I remember going to a, a meeting with him one time, and, and he knew that I was 
baptized in the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues and he said, you know, that's all right for you. I respect that. But because of my position, God told me it wasn't for me. I'm trying to think of how bold and nasty to be here. To hell with position. That's a lie right from the pit of hell because I want to tell you something. If you believe the Holy Spirit told you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of tongues is not for you. That is a lie right from the pit of hell because the Bible says that Jesus would withhold no good thing from you. And let me tell you something, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to recognize the authority that you have in the name of Jesus. It's a good thing to realize that demons have to flee when you walk into the room because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's a good thing to be able to share Jesus with other people under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a good thing when people come against you and begin to criticize you and try to tear you down and the Holy Spirit through his utterance gives you the words to speak. It's a good thing. And God would withhold no good thing from any of us. And then, of course, he said that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. In, in Acts, the eighth chapter, the ninth verse, it says, but when a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed. They listened to him. What are you listening to? We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. He is not going to lead us astray. The world may claim to be something great, but we have something great. We have the power. We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Second Corinthians, the third chapter. You know, I remember hearing Teal Osborne make this statement. T.L. said, Christianity without the supernatural is no different than any other religion. The supernatural. You and I are born again supernaturally. You and I are baptized in the Holy Ghost with the manifestation of tongues supernaturally. You and I live a supernatural life. When the economy says that everybody's going down the tube, 
supernaturally. We live above it all. When sickness and disease is covering whatever, we're free. We're healed supernaturally. When demonic powers are released and people are drawn into horrible circumstances, we live free. And if we've been bound, we're set free. Supernaturally. Because we serve a supernatural God. Jesus is so real to us because we serve him supernaturally. Not in our power, not in our strength, not in our ability, but it's because of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, who also made us, made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so we read the Word, and we read the Word <clears throat> differently. Because for some people, as they read the Word, it brings them into bondage. I remember when I, I was in my construction accident and had a couple of weeks off, and you know, it was a drill that got a hold of me and it whipped across my chest as it was tearing my shirt off of me and had my stitches and I'm laying there in bed and all that I can see is this three and a half inch bit going back and forth in front of my face and scared the jeebers out of me. And I'm, so, I'm laying there in bed, I'm thinking, I could have died. Now, I'd gone to church my whole life. I could have died and I had absolutely no peace about it. And so I get home and every time Becky would leave the house, I'd get my own King, old King James Bible out and I'd sit there and I'd start reading it. And as soon as she came home, I'd slide it under the couch because, you know, only wimps read their Bibles. At least that's what I thought. But you know, I started to read that thing and it didn't, it didn't bring any life to me. I was kind of like the Enoch along the road where he, you know, when Philip approached him and he says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I understand? I don't have anybody to teach me. It's where I was. I didn't have anybody to teach me. And so when I read it, it didn't, it didn't bring freedom into my life. It was, it was bondage because I was just trying to do it in my own intellect, which... <laughs> we won't go there. <clears throat> but we moved to Jefferson and met these crazy charismatics and they drug me off to Harold's, Pastor Harold's church and, you know, we heard the Bible for the first time. Oh, I'd heard it, but I heard it. Because it wasn't just simply words of man being presented it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, hopefully, over the period of time that you've been coming to this church, you've been able to receive something. But I want you to know, 
It isn't because of the, simply the words that I speak, it's the anointing upon the words that are spoken. I know that I'm not a fancy orator, but I know something else, I've got the Holy Ghost. And you've got the Holy Ghost. And that's a good combination for receiving the word to set us free. I've shared this before, you know, I, I, I do the best I can and somebody will come up to me after church and they say, Pastor, I needed that, that's just what I need. And they start, and I'm so happy because they got something. And they start sharing with me what they got and I'm thinking, where were you? <laughs> that is not in any way related to anything that I shared this morning. But it's the Holy Ghost. That's why I can share a message and each and every one of us in this room, we have different needs. But from my mouth to your earball, he's able to give you exactly what you need to bring freedom, to bring healing, to bring wholeness in your life. That's the Holy Spirit that we have. And that's the Holy Spirit that wants to speak through each and every one of us. How am I doing, Hank? Doing okay? He looked at my list of scriptures this morning. He says, you're going to get through all these. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you believe the word of God, if we believe the word of God, it's impossible to dispute the existence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for us today. Because the book of Acts doesn't have an ending. because the acts of the apostles are still being carried out today in your life and in my life and the work of the Holy Spirit is gonna continue in our lives until Jesus returns to take the church. But until that time, it's gonna continue. I've already read from Matthew 3, 16, but let me Read it again, and it says, And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting upon him. And there was that voice that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus has come to set us free. Notice what it says. It's, you know, when, when something is repeated, it's an indication that it's important. Because I don't believe that in the Gospels, God repeated things just to fill up pages. It's to emphasize the importance. In Mark 1.10 it says, 
And immediately coming up out of the water, he, Jesus, saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And once again, the voice that said, you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In Luke, the second chapter, or excuse me, the third chapter, in the 22nd verse, And it says, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And once again, I want to repeat the fact that Jesus did no miracles until after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. But you know what? We see that the apostles... Yeah, there was healings and so forth taking place through their hands because Jesus commissioned them to do so. But power wasn't really released in their lives until after the day of Pentecost. Acts 2.1, again, I know, know I've read it, but I'm going to read it again. And the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly, 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 suddenly. God wants some suddenlies in our life and he does it through the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, it doesn't take eons for the Holy Ghost to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives. They need some vessels that'll simply say, here am I. They went to that upper room and they waited for the day of Pentecost, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them divided tongues as a fire and sat on, upon each of them. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with the tongues as a spirit gave them utterance. When we move over to Acts, the ninth chapter, in the 17th verse, and it says, And Ananias when he <clears throat> went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, this is talking about Saul. Remember how he had been on the road uh, of Damascus on his way to to persecute Christians, to throw them in, in prison, to kill them. And he had a, had a vision, he was knocked off his horse and, and there were scales that came over his eyes and he couldn't see and encountered Jesus. And so Ananias came to him and he entered the house and laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, see, Saul was already a brother. What gets us born again when we encounter Jesus? We oftentimes make it a pattern. We, we, we have this, we, we, you have to go through this certain thing. You, you say these words. Let me tell you something. It isn't the words that change you. It's the encounter. When you encounter Jesus, and that's what happened to Paul, Saul who became Paul, he encountered Jesus and it changed him. And Ananias came to him. 
And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people teach, well, <clears throat> when you get born again, you've received it all. Well, you're only drawn by the Spirit. You have the Spirit. Paul was drawn by the Spirit. He encountered Jesus. But Ananias came down there so that he might receive his sight and that he might receive the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We don't need a touch of the Holy Ghost. We need the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And immediately, once again, here's this suddenly, immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. And we know that he received tongues even though it doesn't say there because Paul said later on, he says, I pray in tongues more than y'all. More than all of us. We need to encounter Jesus. But then we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life. When people were born again in the book of Acts, in addition to that, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to get people born again. Ultimately, yes, that's so important because they don't go to heaven. Sets them free from hell. You know, as Brother Hagin always said, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And the way we gained heaven is by receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But you know what? That's not the end of it. We need to take them to the next step so that they receive the power in their life. How are they going to experience the, the true deliverance that we need in our lives from the world that wants to keep its hold upon us through the Holy Spirit, through his working in our lives. You know, I think one thing that we oftentimes have done that we, we were mistaken, we, we said, we, we, you know, as charismatics, we say, have you received the Spirit? And we offend people because we leave the impression that even though they're born again, they don't have the Spirit. Well, they have to have the Spirit or they're not born again but they don't have the fullness of the Spirit. Listen to what it says in John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. How does he draw? He draws him through the Holy Spirit. You see, when we are filled, are baptized in the Holy Spirit and the words begin to come out of our mouth, Guess what? It's not your fancy words that draw them to Jesus. It's the Spirit. It's the Word and the Spirit. That's what brings about change in individuals' lives. In John 14, 16, Jesus says, and I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another helper. Another there means someone just exactly identical to me. You want to know what the Holy Ghost is like? Look to Jesus. 
Hallelujah. And he says, and I will pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells in you and will, he dwells with you and will be in you. Do you know that John 3.16 isn't for you. It's for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, we were part of that. And we, we identify with it because we see Jesus in it. But that scripture is for the world, that they might know Jesus. That they might come to the Father. But this scripture, he says, is not for the world. Why is it not for the world? Because they can't receive the fullness of the Spirit. But it's for you and I. That he just doesn't want the Holy Spirit to be with us. He wants him to be in us. He wants us, him to move through us. The Holy Spirit is for you and me. Notice what it says in, in John, the seventh chapter, the 37th verse. John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow. I like the way the King James says it there better. It says, out of their belly, out of your innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Who would receive? Those who believed in him. In another place in Scripture, it talks about drawing from the wells of salvation. And there water, the Holy Spirit is used as, as drawing from. Here it says, out of our innermost being, out of our heart, out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know what this is saying? That after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, after Jesus gloriously ascended on high, he said there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and it would fill you to overflowing. You know, Ephesians says we're to be being filled. We're containers of the Holy Ghost. 
The problem is we leak and we use it. It needs to be replenished in our lives. And that's why Jude 20 says that we're to pray in the Holy Ghost, building ourselves up in the most holy, holy faith. That's why we're to read the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, sit under anointed preaching, hear anointed music. Why are those things so important to us? Because it, it fills us up. And you know what? We're to be a blessing to people. But we're a blessing to people in the overflow. I can't really be a blessing to somebody until I'm so full myself that it overflows. And that doesn't mean I walk around with my head in a cloud. I'm on a shadow. No, 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 no. That's just simply wackoness. That'll work. Weirdness. Holy Ghost. You know, it says on the day of Pentecost, they all spoke with other tongues. And upon them were tongues of fire. I believe that that fire of the Holy Ghost is to be burning. I believe that when we're filled with the Holy Ghost and there's that flow of the Holy Spirit, there's, <clears throat> you know, I used to hear some of the older Pentecostals there, they'd, they'd talk about how there, there needs to be a fire in your belly. We need to have a fire in our belly. And it's the fire of the Holy Spirit. And, and what that fire is, it's, it's a, it cleanses us. It, it works something in our lives that can't be worked in any other way. We need to yield to him and allow him to work in our lives. The Holy Ghost. We're a Holy Ghost church. Did you hear me? We're a Holy Ghost church. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to set us free, to work miracles in our midst. Well, pastor, that might offend people. You may be sitting there thinking, that kind of offends me. But you gotta understand something, I don't have anything else to give. You don't want me. I can't save you. I can't equip you. I can't empower you for life. But the one who lives on the inside of me can. The one who lives inside you can. It's a power, it's an anointing that the world is totally ignorant of. And I'm sad to say 
so much of the church is ignorant of the well. Never, never, never be ashamed of what the Holy Ghost has worked in your life. If it were not for him, working in cooperation with the Father and the Son and us, where would we be? Remember Brother Hagin years back, he was talking about, before one of the meetings that he's going into is the back room praying with the pastor and a few others. And the pastor began to pray and he says, oh God, oh God, some way, somehow, oh God, some way, somehow, oh God, some way, somehow. You've probably heard him share this a hundred times. He says, you know what? He said, it took everything within me to not interrupt him and cry out and say, Jesus is the way and the Holy Ghost is the how. Why are you crying out for something that we're supposed to already have? We have it. We have the way. Jesus. Jesus is the way maker. Jesus is the way maker. Jesus is the way maker. He made a way for me. I don't count too well. Me. Anyway, in this sinful heart of mine, Jesus did something, set me free. So Jesus is the way. The Holy Ghost is the how. And because of him, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible. You may have a circumstance right now that you're looking at and you're saying, it's impossible. No, Jesus and the Holy Ghost obliterated all the impossibilities. We can look to him. Hallelujah. I did pretty good. I only have three pages left. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Jesus is the way maker. The Holy Ghost is the one that we move in and through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Sharakite. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Jesus is the way maker. I want this morning for you to be absolutely convinced that you're born again. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. 
If you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you have any doubts as to whether or not you're going to spend all of eternity in the presence of Jesus, I want you to real quickly, right where you're seated, I don't want anybody looking around, if you have any doubts, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air so that I can see it and then you can take it right back down. Is there anybody? You say, Pastor, I think I'm saved, but I'm, I'm not real confident right now. Anybody at all? Okay. We're all saved. We're born again. We know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, right where you're seated, you're saying, Pastor Dave, I know that I'm born again. I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I have that confidence. I have that assurance. But Pastor, I've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I've not received the fullness of the Spirit. And after listening to you this morning and listening to the Holy Spirit within me, I am convinced that I need it. And so once again, what I want you to do, right where you're seated, I want you to raise your hand so that I can see it. Do we have anybody here this morning that would say, Pastor Dave, I need, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Anybody at all? Hallelujah. Well, Father, I thank you for the Holy Ghost, that he lives within each and every one of us that we are empowered from on high to walk in obedience to you. That through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you work in us that we might be free and that we might be a vessel that you might use for your glory. So Father, I thank you today for your loving kindness, for your goodness, for the peace that surpasses human understanding. And I trust you completely. And I say to you, Father, have your way. Have your way in my life. And may my life be a living testimony of your goodness. Father, I pray these things and I believe these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, giving you all glory and honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. You all have a wonderful rest of the day. And as you go, give somebody a hug and let them know you love them. Be blessed.